Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Rod, we are back doing our post-game shows on uh, 49ers football. And I don't know, it's kind of wondering, generally, when it comes to preseason football, I don't, you know, I'll watch the first quarter or the second quarter, and then I kind of just peel off and I go do other things. Now, this game... I sat through it. I think I missed the last five minutes just because I was trying to set this thing up. But uh, generally, because the only reason I'm doing this is because we're going to talk about it. Um, I will say the game was not nearly as long as I thought it was going to be, which is why we're going a bit early. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was every bit of game one preseason football. And you could tell uh, one team uh, definitely was out there a little a little to prove something and the and the other wasn't or maybe didn't have the weapons in order to do so but uh what what were your thoughts of sort of looking at this game kind of how we look at the regular season games because of this podcast yeah that is definitely i i spent a lot more time watching than i normally would just as you out you laid out because i knew I was going to be talking about it. And then, you know, I was having conversations like during the game online. And it's for me, it is, you know, and, and most of to everything I had to say, it was like, it's just preseason and blah, blah, blah. But for me, I'm not looking at, you know, the result because it doesn't matter. But what did concern me um, overarchingly, was the, our offensive and defensive lines did not compete or couldn't compete. I don't know which it was. Was it a talent thing? Was it a competitiveness thing? I generally think I'm not one of those guys that think that, you know, professional players aren't competitive because, I mean, they've got where they are because they are competitors. But um, 
if it doesn't matter because it's preseason, well, it damn sure mattered to the Raiders because they were kicking our ass. And, you know, they because I mean, ultimately, that's what it to me it boils down to is you got two dudes lined up against each other times, you know, plus eleven, yeah. eleven guys lined up in front of each other, and the goal is to beat the other guy, and the Raiders consistently beat our ass across the line, no matter who it was. So. That is what was concerning to me more so than any sort of result. Because at a certain point, you know, you get mad and say, look, I'm not just going to be standing around here getting my ass kicked. But there were Raiders, you know, I, I posted at one point, why are the offense, the Raiders offensive linemen stuck on our defensive linemen <laughs> all the time? They, they could not. I think I counted, you know, until I stopped. I stopped around eight minutes left in the game. Cleveland Farrell twice shed blocks in the run game and made a play. Alex Barrett did it twice, made a play um, in the run game. But that was it as far as decent alignment. And then you had um, whatever Hartsfield, that guy, the defensive back, he made a play. Womack made a play. Thomas made a play. You know, our Corners made more plays in the run game than our decent, decent defensive linemen did. So that was kind of concerning. And then I don't know what the combination it was of offensive linemen. I don't think there were any first teams out there. Second team, third team, but all of them were bad, bad, bad. And I don't know. They got better as the game went on, but I don't know if that was because the Raiders – brought in worse guys or they figured it out. But um, our pass blocking was a problem. Now it was even with those twos and threes, they seem to be able to move the ball running it. They, they got all those guys seem to be able to move forward. Well, it was the moving back part. That was a problem for them. If we get any injuries along the, the offensive line, it's, it's going to be a very inter- interesting proposition. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, some of those nine or 10 that we end up keeping aren't on the roster right now. That's what I was thinking as well. When, you know, when these teams start having to make cuts and some teams have more depth on the offensive line than the Niners doing, they may have to make some hard decisions. And that's where the Niners may try and swoop in the, uh, the offensive line. They, I think that there were some opportunities for, that grouping to go, hey, fans, I know you think that we are the weak link on the on the team, but but just just wait, we're going to show you that, that that we're actually not. They did not. They showed mm-hmm. us that they are the, the weakest grouping on the entire team. And so, like you said, it was it was backups. Uh, but, you know, those backups are going to have to play because, as we've seen over the years, Offensive linemen are big dudes. If they get rolled on, the you know they're going to play with pain. These guys, you know, Trent. We remember Trent Williams a couple years ago playing, you know, on a on a foot or an ankle that mm-hmm. no normal human would have played a sport with. So that's going to happen. And my hope is, you know, when you start out there with your with your starting five, they play well enough. They play cohesive. Brock is going to be getting that ball out probably a lot sooner than, than he wants, but you know, he, he seems to be pretty creative in that way. But my hope is that while those team, while that grouping plays, and maybe if we get into 
the first fourth or the first third of the season, they get some games under their belt. And then the other guys kind of gel, you know, they're practicing together. They understand this, this stuff more because that is the worry is if somebody gets hurt in week one and then we, we saw, uh, we we have an issue pronouncing this this guy's name Zaygel Zaygel Z man and he comes in and it's like oh that did not look good he he yeah. he was not he was he, he was a little manhandled so he he was not very good today yeah and and so like that's the thing right the hope is that the coaching will 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 get the second unit a lot better but you may not have that because of how violent this game can be and how uh and how uh injuries can happen so what the exercise that i told you that we're gonna do we're gonna talk about trey and darnold at in in the last segment because i think you know that's gonna be the focus of of this entire preseason i think is is uh trey and, and darnold who's gonna win the backup spot and what happens to trey if he's three instead of two i think that's i think that's gonna be a, a giant question uh i don't Watching the two, I don't think anybody sort of distanced themselves from the other. Uh, I think Darnold was very lucky to play in the second half away from the the speed demon rushers that uh, Trey had to play against in the first half. But at the same time, Darnold Darnold did look okay. He he looked he looked pretty decent. So I don't want to take that away from him. But we're gonna save all that discussion for the end. Wanted to I asked you here here's the the exercise. And, you know, because we could go through and we could go, oh, yeah, 34 to 7. Aiden O'Connell, the the GOAT, 15 of 18, <laughs> 141 yards. He looked like he, he actually kind of looked like Brock Purdy out there uh, from last year. So the exercise I said is let's who jumped off the page positively and negatively. And we'll start with the positive guys first. Uh, some of the, my positive guys did have you know, maybe a bad player too that, that kind of Mine too. Ma- made it, made it maybe not as great, but still they did enough to where I was like, okay, like they, they made a name in this game where it was really kind of hard to make that name. So I'll go with my first player and uh, I'm going to go with Ambry Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a fourth, fourth and one stop on a run. It's kind of what you were talking about where the corners are actually getting in the backfield more than defensive line. Uh, defended very nicely a pass in the first half. Uh, I thought he made a great play on it. And, you know, he's a guy who I think, you know, if Ambry Thomas kind of shows some stuff, then the secondary uh, is going to benefit from it because he's kind of one of those, you know, marginal guys. Is Ambry Thomas going to make a jump or not? And he looked really good in game one. I agree. He was one of my guys as well. Um, And I mean, it's, for him, it's it's not that we know he can't. Two years ago, you know, he started down the stretch and, you know, was right there as one of our best corners. So it's not that, you know, Michigan guy, great pedigree. So it's not that he doesn't have the ability. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know the full story of what was going on last season. It was an ankle and then he just wasn't playing. So, I, you know, I don't know. But, um, yeah, he had a very good day today, and like I say, I don't believe that the talent is a question with him. It's you know whatever it was that would you know that held him back last year. Um, if he can move past those things, um, if he is like you say a contributor, 
um you know we have you know between behind ward um demo womack looks really good um he looks really good the rookie jameson looks good um so we've so we've got a lot of options oliver is somebody who you know it seems he, like he didn't play as well today as I think some would have hoped, but well, but I mean, Hars- him and Harsfield are um Wilkes's guys, so they're I believe they're going to get every opportunity, yeah, to um to stick. So, um, yeah, Thomas, I definitely agree, he was definitely one of my three as well. All right, who else is on your list? Um, number 10, Ronnie Bell. He um flashed really well. Um, he didn't make any huge mistakes. Somebody online um posted something funny. It was like number 10, you know, taking punts gives me <laughs> horrible flashbacks. <laughs> um, so yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, he was good. He had that one drop, obviously. I think that might have been what you were talking about, where yeah. he he, you know that dropped it turned into a, a pick that you know goes on Allen's record but that was all you know he put it right on him yes. um and he just dropped it so um or let it go through his hands but other than that he really did flash today um he he stood out as somebody which who honestly I talked about it when um Ray Ray went out the way it works I think we've talked about it before in training camp, they've got the two fields. We got, of those nine days, we got three days worth of punt return practice. We never got any kick return practice. So, I get, you know, on the days that they were doing work in punt returns, he took punts. Um, 22 Jamison took punts. Um, Sneed took a few. And then even Juice got some. But I never saw um, anybody else take any punts. And then I never saw who was who was um, taking kicks. So it was interesting that um, for kickoff return, clearly it would have been Ray Ray. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting that um, Bell was first man up, which, I mean, I don't necessarily know if training camp is any um, indication. That doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that he is necessarily the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. Somebody else could be the guy next week. But... Um, it was it was good to see him flash and um he looks like a, a very very interesting prospect even though i don't know well i guess there are some ray ray routes available now but um between um debo iu didn't James, he run one of those jet sweeps today yeah he did which definitely is a um either debo or ray ray play um, in camp, I didn't see Debo run any of those, but I saw Ray Ray run a couple of them. Um, so yeah, as far as wide receiver depth chart, I don't know. I don't really even know what's up for grabs in terms of reps. It seemed like in camp, um, you know, Jennings and and Gray were, you know, the the you know when it, if it weren't if Debo and Ayuk were out, it was fifteen and six that were you know, playing those roles. So it seems Did to me. Did Gray do any special team stuff in college? Because it would seem that with his speed, 
it could right. be an avenue for game for for getting in the game for him. But I don't remember if he did in college or not. Mm-mm, I don't know. And it was interesting that when Ray Ray ran out, his name he was somebody that I thought of immediately, but his name was never even mentioned. So I don't I don't know if he's just never done it or what. Or you know I don't know if the fact that he's got a larger you know role than the offense might make him you know might make him in that but i don't i don't see that i don't know but it just um, seems like for you know kyle to get on kyle's radar it seems like you know raising your hand to to play special teams is probably kind of one of those things because you when you get towards the back end of that roster right it seems like he's going to lean flexibility and uh, uh, which which usually means the ability to play special teams and to do more than one thing uh, but yeah, I, I just I know it was interesting that some of the young guys like that that really flashed like um Lebon or Lebon, however you pronounce it, thirty three, and then nine um Willis, who's another one who really flashed to me and Camp. Both those young guys are on special teams. So, mm-hmm. like you say, um, if you're really out here trying to make the team and not risk being on a practice squad, especially as a young guy, it would it seems like it would behoove you to have special teams um, on your resume. Yeah, it seems like I really do wonder how the new kickoff rule is going to take place where you can actually call for a fair catch and just take it at the 25. It doesn't even have to be in the end zone. Right. I wonder... And you can take at any point. Yeah. You know, that was what I found interesting. It's like you can um, catch it, take a few steps, and if you decide to take a knee... You know, it's at the 25. So that's that's really interesting. We didn't see anybody avail themselves of it Mm-mm. today, but that is a very, very interesting twist. Because it just seems to me, I think we talked about this last season, it seems to me like they're trying to legislate the kickoff out of the game anyway. So, um, yeah, it, th- th- when this rule was announced, I thought that that was just one step closer to that. And it'll be interesting to see in live action, how many teams just go ahead and take the 25 and yeah. um, be done with it. Yeah. And, and if you, if you do see teams starting to do that, I think it does give the league some uh, credence to actually figure out a way to make those kickoffs even less important because I don't know how many kickoffs get returned these days, but with how deep these guys get into the end zone now, you know, it's not like, I feel like there was a lot more when we were growing up than, than there are today because it's, so it's many all, of them are the back of the end zone. Like you say, so many of these guys have these um, boomer legs that if it's not in the end zone, it's not. It's because they don't want it to be. They're doing like that pooch thing or whatever yeah. because most of them can just blast it through the end zone unless there's that penalty where they get backed up on the kickoff and then they're kicking from like the 25 or whatever. Then yeah, that it's, makes it, it a- seems like the strategy is kick it high, mm-hmm. you know, to, to around between the, the, the one and the three yard line and then make them bring it out and hope that you can get to them before the right. 20. Cause you gain five yards from that perspective. And that's right. what Moody was doing. Uh, he wasn't trying to kick the ball out of the back of the end zone. He was trying to angle that so that, they had some hang time on it, and they would they would be able to make those tackles. So, uh, all right, I do. I'm trying to think of a nickname for Ronnie Bell, and my thought was to start calling him BBD because 
<laughs> Ronnie Ronnie DeVoe mm-hmm. and Ricky Bell mm-hmm. are two members of New Edition and two members of Bell Biv DeVoe. Now, if, if there was a like, if his middle name was like Biv or something, it would be a lot easier. <laughs> That'd be perfect. But Ronnie Bell, it just remind every time I hear his name, I think of Bell Biv DeVoe. So like, mm-hmm. I, I may just start calling him BBD. Uh, all right, I have another one as well, uh, and because Ronnie Bell was on my list. Now, when you look at the overall stats, I don't think TDP ran for 35 yards. It was like 32 yards on 10 carries or something. But they, the announcers were praising him big time. It, it sounds like they, they believe that he's got something, you know, the, the, this year that he didn't have last year. Now, the problem is if... Elijah Mitchell is healthy. And that is a giant if because he is hurt again. TDP is basically your fourth running back. And, you know, we know. You think we know, so? Well, JP, they Ooh. utilized JP so, last year as like the closer. And so, you know, I don't think that Shanahan would put him in that role to close these games out if he didn't believe that. You know, he was a steady, steady guy. So, but, but even if, even if it's between, you know, even, even if let's say that they're tied or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. the, the point is, is that there's still Elijah Mitchell in front. Mm-hmm. So I would um, agree with that. So he, you know, so the, these jumps, I, I'd like to see, he looked, he looked way more, uh, he was d- very, very quick in his decision making versus, uh, last year from from what I remember from the preseason. So that was nice. Uh, he looked really tough. He looked like he was just hitting the whole boom. Uh, and I like that. And JP, on the other hand, uh, he did have a, a drop on a screen that looked like it could have gone for mm-hmm. a few yards there. So, uh, but yeah, TDP is my guy for this list. I thought he, I thought he played pretty good. And he, it was more that, I know I just noticed him more when he was in the game versus uh Mason. Man, he is so impressive. He is um of uh, well obviously in terms of running back, CMC is like just on another level. Anytime he hits the field, he might just, be uh, he might be the first player drafted in these fantasy leagues. Man, look, I, I that's why I'm hoping I don't get <laughs> I don't want a top three I don't want a top three pick because I I it would be hard for me to pass on him. And that's mm-hmm. just strategically is, I, I don't, I don't, anyway, I don't want to get, we're in a league <laughs> together now, so I can't be giving up too many of my secrets, but um, it would be problematic if I had a number one pick. Um, but to going back to TDP in camp, to, I, I would say CMC is just on a whole nother level. Yeah. Every time he touches the field, he is electric. And like I said, on a post earlier this summer, he would be a hall of fame flag football player because nobody can put a hand on him. He's so fast. So he's not in the conversation, but out of the other backs, TDP is by far the most impressive. He is big and fast. And um, he, um, he didn't show anything today if that's why the announcers were raving about him is because if you, when you see him in camp, he just, he, he jumps off the page at you. He's like, this, this dude is that big and he's that fast. And um, apparently he's lost weight, but I don't know where, because he is just, he's a load. Um, And then, like I say, just so fast. So 
Um, I can I don't know where the pecking order is. JP is still a very good back, but um, it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if if TDP is the guy. Um, but you can't forget about Elijah Mitchell because when healthy, he is a difference maker as well as we saw. Once he came back, even with Christian McCaffrey, he definitely he was not out of place in this offensive wall. He is still a very, very dynamic player. He just got to figure out how to stay healthy. Yeah, that's um, the key for him, because if he was healthy, he's a starting running back in the NFL. Yeah. Well, but I think, you know, he might. It's maybe too early because this is still just his third season yeah. but um he just reminds me a lot of Mostert. is like mm. kind of that ferrari kind of guy that um when he's right he's gonna be you know the ferrari looks good you know parked out in front of the place in valet but he's gonna be in the garage as much as he's gonna be out in front of the val at the valet so he's just he's got to get that part figured out and if he yeah. does you know it's a good problem for us to have but I, I I would say that this year our next best back is much better than Jeff Wilson. So mm. I think we're we're in, you know, no disrespect to Jeff Wilson, but I think both Mason Mason and um TDP are better options than he was. So I think we're we're in good shape. And if for whatever reason it takes Mitchell a while to get back, I still think that, you know if it's a committee behind him or what, I think those guys can, um, can carry the load. We saw Mitchell can definitely do it. And I believe that um, TDP has the promise of being able to do it as well. All right. Who else on your list? Well, the next was, it was kind of a, a pot, potpourri. So I went a tie of Cleveland Farrell and Alex Barrett. That's who um, I went to Farrell the two defensive linemen because nobody else really made plays and they were only two that really did. So um, I went with them. Which what, do you, is, what do you think is if everyone is healthy, if the, the frontline defense is out there, how much playing time do you see Farrell getting? Because obviously Bosa Jackson, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do some, rotating inside with, with Armstead and, and stuff and maybe moving guys around. But do you see him as someone who's going to get a lot of snaps uh, during I, the regular season? I do. Um, Aminahue and Ebukam both had like 600 snaps last season. So um, even if you, if, even if you pencil in Jackson for 600 of those snaps, there's still another 600 to somebody's got to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on the division of reps in camp, he was, you know, he, it was him and um, Jackson who were starting. So I would imagine that when Nick comes back, that he's going to be the third man in the rotation. So he'll be, you know, you got Hyder and um, I don't know, Austin Bryant. He's a guy that, looks very he man he really looks the part coming off the bus but he can't never seem to stay on the field so, so 
you know, and that's been that's been his jacket all throughout his career. So while he's talented, he's never really been able to be on the field. And he was he missed a whole lot of reps in camp, too. So it would seem to me that Farrell is going to have the first crack at those reps. And um, look, his problem with the Raiders was, I think, was kind of like, um, you know, Solomon Tom with us. If we had taken him 22nd instead of second, mm-hmm. nobody would have really had any issue with his production. He, he's a solid player. That's fine. If, if Cleveland Farrell had been taken at 24 and not four, um, I, I don't think there would have been as big a problem with him with the Raiders. He didn't ask um, Mike, uh, Mike Mayotte to take him rather than Josh Allen, who everybody <laughs> said thought was the number one end in the draft. Um, ain't his fault, <laughs> but now he is labeled a, a bust because he didn't perform to he underperformed his draft position, but he's, he is a talented guy. And, um, he flashed a little bit today. Got a sack. Yeah, he got a sack. He, again, and like I say, he was the only one who was able to shed and get off of any offensive lineman. Him and Barrett did it a couple times. Um, so I, again, I think he'll be the guy who gets the first shot at, um, replacing those many Hugh, um, reps. And I think that he, has the talent to be a solid contributor. Our defensive line, oh, you know, I gave I gave him a lot of shit today, but it looks a whole lot different when you got Nick Bosa. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, Nick Nick Bosa <laughs> it, it attracts people similarly to what you were saying about just, CMC. Yeah. He just yeah, changes well, yeah. the. He's, he's just he changes shifts the, the orbit. field. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um. All right, so let's talk about the uh, the the guy the folks who stood out in a negative way. But the, the thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about this is I remember I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of when this was, but I remember Alex Smith was the quarterback. I, I believe the Niners were playing the saints and it was like game one or game two of the preseason. And the saints just sent everybody on every damn play. And Alex could barely breathe before somebody was on him and I'm not saying that that's what the Raiders did because I think what the Saints did kind of pissed off Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, almost like a hey, you know, I get it. You're 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 trying to send a message here, but if you hurt one of my guys, like that's going to be a problem. And um, and you know, this is the same Saints team who probably had to deal with the Bounty Gate stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that was probably part of it, but. Watching this, Ra- watching this Raiders team, I sort of got similar vibes in that, like, there was it was very important for them to put this message out that, you know, we can play with a team like this, and even if you you look at the roster of who played, like, this was not the real 49ers, but you know, people are kind of watching the game and they're just seeing the colors and they go, oh, the Raiders are going to be good this year. Like, it seemed like it was very important for them to do that. So. Uh, I, I I would like to, to see the Niners play better in games two and games three. We only have three in the preseason. Uh, so it is, you know, I'm sure Kyle probably thinks it's important as well that, that they play better. But ultimately, game one, when one team uh, looked like they definitely wanted to prove a point, 
some of that, you know, some of those late late points and such uh, was was added. So I'm not going to take a ton away from this game, but you will you would have liked to see the Niners kind of go, oh, that's what they're trying to do. Okay, like we got to play a little bit better, and that just didn't happen. So here's the thing: with my three disappointing players, I can't get a pet. It, it'll be take your pick. It's a potpourri <laughs> of offensive linemen, and again, it would be you made a very. I'm glad you made the point you just made because it would be different if the Raiders were scheming us up and they were blitzing and they were doing. But it wasn't any of that. No. Their dudes were just lining up across from us and beating our ass. It wasn't. It, so it wasn't like. They didn't have that to. Pass, they, were, they were like, oh, we don't even really have to do That it. pass rush that they were getting, it was not like a a jerry-rigged type of thing. Yeah. Because it is kind of chicken shit in preseason yeah. to, like, blitz and stuff. I mean, that because we, you know, as a defense, we didn't get any pressure. And Steve Wilkes is a blitz master. Yeah. We didn't run any blitzes because no. in preseason, what you are don't we doing? Show, yeah, you don't want to show anything. You don't want to <laughs> show are we doing? what you're going to use. And, and you so, know, this is what's different in the preseason for the NFL product than from something like spring training and baseball or even basketball. Basketball is also not a great preseason product, but you're going to see Steph Curry play in most of the games, whether it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes, he's going to get out there uh, because this sport, the, the, you have to maximize the health. You can't, you, it's almost too risky to even put any, but like, I, would you be surprised to see, uh, Brock Purdy take more than 10 snaps in that third game? It's a tricky thing because I believe that especially for young players and Brock Purdy, let's, let's not get it twisted. Brock Purdy is still a young player. Yeah. I think reps are important in, in live reps. You know, they talk about these joint practices and the importance of them of getting live reps. Again, they're not tagged to the ground, but getting live reps against a different team is important. I think for young players, live reps, period, are important. But you have to balance that importance with their health and safety. Which is So it's a quandary. You talked about the NBA product. The thing that I love about NBA preseason is that the fact is you're not going to see a whole lot of your frontline players but those dudes at the back of the bench, they're playing for roster spots. So you see, you do see some real competitive play out of guys who might end up being the you know 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th player. It can be the difference between making the making making the roster and being like a two-way player is a big difference for those guys. So you you know, I like to see those guys really going for it. And I guess you see that at a certain point with our twos and threes, I guess, because you get at the, you know, once you get past, I don't know, player 45, most of those dudes are playing for practice squad spots mm-hmm. or, or look somewhere else. You you know, the fifth string, the, the, the 80th, the 85, Fifth, 86th, seventh, you know, 90th guy, the chances of those dudes making the roster is like, you know, pretty much here are pretty much non existent. You know, they're playing for, you know, looks somewhere else, which is an inter- another interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I ever really knew that, that everything is on film, film in training camp. So if you're showing out 
there are people who are going to be able to see it. Um, so that's why you're playing is if, even if you don't make it here, you know, that tape is going to get around, um, the league. And it's possible that when you're on a good team like this one, if you're showing out that, um, you know, somebody else might come and swoop in and, you know, figure that you're better than anybody that they've got on their roster. So, you know, that might be another way for you to, to get on somewhere else. Uh, all right. My, my number one, uh, and this is mostly because of what he said. Uh, I think it was on Thursday or Friday in Matt Barrows's piece. It's Kinlaw because I thought he had an opportunity to show out in a way that a lot of their players didn't have because they're not the number one draft pick. Farrell is sort of similar, but he, he, you know, Kinlaw really having the problems with staying on the field. I was like, okay, here's an opportunity for this guy to really show his stuff. And he was, he was getting moved all over the place. There was a couple plays where they stunted him and he was like way out of the play. Uh, they they were making fun of him. Tim Ryan was making fun of him for trying to do a pass rush move on a run play. So I don't know what he thought he saw, but he that he got pushed way out of the play and and they ran uh, for a big gain. So I would like to hear the the smart football people who study this stuff for a living uh, tell me what they really thought about Kinlaw because to my eye, what I could see on TV on the tel- on the broadcast. I was like, man, this guy, you know, there there were times where he was holding his ground, but he didn't, I didn't really see him make a play. Yeah. You know, I'm a Kinlaw apologist, so I'm not the one to ask. Well, I, I want but, him um, to succeed, man. Like, he gets the guy. to a point where, you know, he's been healthy, which is good. But then we got to get to the point where, you know, he hasn't played a whole lot of football. So, it, like you say, it it comes down to because because I saw him in camp and when he when the assignment was clear of what he was supposed to do, move forward. He was doing really well. Now it seemed like he had a problem transferring that into a game scenario where it could be a run or it could be a pass. And like you say, he's doing wild. Sh- like you can't you you really can't cheat it on a run play. You just got to go beat that dude and get him off him and make a play. You can't be out. He is too damn big to be out here trying to olay some stuff to try to make a play. I mean, that's just, that's just not (laughs) that that's not going to be, that's not going to get him reps. He needs to be, he needs to physically assert himself. And um, like, you're right. He did not do that today. And he would have, you're, that was a very good one. Cause that was one that stuck out to me. They're like, okay, with all of this is going on out here, I was like, I said it out loud. Okay, he needs to come in here, and everybody else is getting their ass kicked around here. Yeah. There's no reason why he should be getting. Nobody on that Raider offensive line should be able to to beat him up. Um, and even on double teams, he's he's big enough and physical enough that he's yeah. supposed to. He's got to. Somebody's got to to split these double teams and get off of blocks. I mean, that's, that's what the game is. You got to be able to defeat the guy that's in front of you. You can't just hope that they're going to miss the block or miss yeah. their assignment. And you're going to run through and make a play. And that was that you were right. You're right. That was, he was very disappointing in that. And, and the reason why 
I was really focusing on him is because uh, I think it was maybe it was even yesterday's Barrows piece, either Friday or Saturday. Mm -hmm. He specifically said everyone is going to be able to see the freak that I am. And I was like, oh, here we go. He's ready. And then he Mm -hmm. didn't do any of that uh, on on, uh, today. So, all right. What about you? Well, it's like I say, it's pick your point. Let's go. Let's go. Um, why did I say that? I need to stop. I did not. It's it's John Feliciano, not Jose <laughs> Feliciano. <laughs> I'm gonna be calling that man Jose all season, and that is that is not, you know, that's not cool. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, he did not look good, and I mean. He look, did not look good amongst a whole lot of offensive linemen who didn't look good. But he's supposed to be our interior swing tackle. I mean, swing yeah. lineman. If Brendel gets hurt, or um, I would say Banks, but I think Banks is pretty solid. Or if, if Burford, who has had a really good camp as well, you know, he's supposed to be filling that um, Daniel Brunskill role. He's be he needs to be able to fill in at all three of those guard spots if necessary. And he was one of the worst linemen out there today, um, yeah. which is very disconcerting for a vet. Um, you know, Jason Poe, I just think he's too small. Um, Z-Man, I don't know what the story is with him. He was getting beat up, beat to sleep. Z, yeah, Z-Man, Z-Man was mine. He was the one I focused on on the offensive line. He was getting beat to sleep as well. And then I'm, I don't even know who, I because I didn't have him on my sheet. Um, or did I? Oh, yeah, Matt Pryor. He's another one as a vet, 75. He was getting work too. Um, so all, all of them was just bad. But again, Feliciano was supposed to be the best of the bunch, and he was probably he had probably one of the worst performances. So he would definitely be mine. Sorry for spoiling the fun with you know, going <laughs> running through the gamut of all the offensive linemen. Uh, they the were only, terrible. The other person who I wrote down, and you know, I didn't really even focus too much on it. You know, once we got past halftime, uh, but you know. Isaiah Oliver came over as a highly touted. He's, he's going to, you know, he's got to replace Jimmy Ward. And like you said, it's one of Wilkes's guys. So I, I was really focusing on, on him and, you know, he got beat a couple times and uh, not, not to say that I specifically focused on him enough to see every time he came in and I charted every play, but it was noticeable on the times that, that they beat him and look, the Raiders, uh, to start this game, I think they hit on like four third downs in a row. And so on third third down passing downs, you know, that that's when Oliver's going to come into the game. So I, I, you can't make heads or tails about it just on this game. But uh, I, just based on what I saw and who was coming in highly touted, I just he just stood out to me. Look. I was I got like I said during one of our podcasts, there's nobody in, in camp impressed me more than Steve Wilkes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's forgot more about defensive backs than I'll ever know. And he says that Isaiah Oliver is the incumbent at the nickel. Okay, but if you tell me for my untrained eye, is he better than Samuel Womack? 
Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Samuel Womack, number zero, number one, number zero is just an icy ass number. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I've just been, but I've really been impressed with, with Womack. I think he is a really good player. I thought Womack, I was, Womack did get beat on the non-catch, which was yeah. almost, oh, yeah, almost for catch, sure. But, but it was, it was, you know, for sure. He, he got smoked. There's no question about yeah. that. It wasn't a catch, but that doesn't, you know, excuse the fact that he got beat, but I have been really impressed with him. And, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, give the young guy, you know, you got, we got him for what, three more years. Yeah. He's got, and, he's and got no time. money. Give him, you know, let's, let's see what he does. And he played well, you know, early on last year, but anyway, not my number three, is it too early for Jake Moody to be on this list? <laughs> uh, Brian and I on the death lineup, we 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 talk about and and I I'll explain sort of where I get this from. Um, we talk about players kind of in the clutch when when they tighten up. We we talk about them having tight butt cheeks and, and mm-hmm. they cannot perform. Lemon booty. It, it seemed like that's what he had, and and I I got tight butt cheeks because. Um, I don't know if you even remember this player, but uh, Rich Glover played for Nebraska. Uh, he's, you know, before our time, but mm-hmm. he was an Outland Trophy Award winner. But he also was a little small. So when he went to the NFL, I think he played for the Eagles. He he did not have a long NFL career. Somehow he finds his way to the Bay Area, and he's my seventh and eighth grade PE coach. Oh, wow. And so, and so I had to play flag football as uh, QB1 uh underneath somebody who was like a legitimate like defensive stalwart in in college football so he would have all these crazy sayings and one of them was he would say don't let your booty hole get tight so (laughs) so when my kids were young Mm -hmm. i I switched booty hole to butt cheeks because i it just Mm -hmm. sound you know it's booty Mm -hmm. hole sounds a little too much so (laughs) i I just changed it to 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 butt cheeks and uh, Mm -hmm. ronnie lott has has the same don't let your booty hole get tight saying that mm-hmm. I've heard him say multiple times. So that's to me, Jake Moody just had a case of the tight butt cheeks today. So hopefully he just got it out of his system. Yeah. I mean, because again, he is one of the most impressive guys in camp. His Zane Gonzalez would not surprise me if he is on another team because he that dude is just smooth and he kicks it 50 yards. Um Exactly, Shelvin. Shelvin <laughs> says Robbie is still a free agent. I, I, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, <laughs> I thought it though. Um, but you, when you watch Moody out there, his leg is just different. I mean, yeah. when he kicks the ball, it just explodes off his foot, and it, it's just it's a really it's a different thing. So he has all the talent in the world. Did he you just, get the you know, Papa and Ryan broadcast, or did you get the Raiders side? I was charting, so I don't listen to any of it. Okay. I try to I listen to it with on mute so I don't let anybody you know interfere or or to or to jade me cuz Tim Ryan and Greg Popper will be trying to tell me what I think. So, well, so so the thing about Tim Ryan is and this is especially when he was doing stuff uh, before Papa got here. I think he was doing a lot of stuff with Fitz actually. Mm-hmm. He he wants to be the the best 49ers employee that there ever was so <laughs> you know he's almost like the mouthpiece for the front office sometimes when i listen to him and some of this the reason why i think this way is because uh tim kawakami 
has reported pretty hard over the years on the 49ers organization and how influential they, they may be. And, and so uh, Tim Ryan, he said, he, he and Papa said, uh, and I don't think this was meant to be shade at Robbie gold, but it was kind of shade. They were like, yeah, you know, you had to get to the 35 with Robbie to have a shot. But with Moody, you may only need to get to the 45. So they almost like jinxed this poor kid like right out of the gate. And, you know, he he missed the first one, which was sort of a normal, a normal miss. Like, you know, just kind of he he hooked it a little bit. Uh, but this was after the Raiders iced him. Mm-hmm. Now talk about cold blooded in the preseason game, icing the rookie kicker. And then the next time uh, and then 57 Shan- is come on. I mean, that's Shanahan that's, let yes. him take a shot. At yeah. the end there, and he just shanked it off to the right. But definitely, but I've seen him make that kick though. So yeah. it wasn't. It's you know him him taking fifty seven yard shots is not a. I saw him. There was one day in camp where he made two fifty eight yarders. So um, it's not like it's outside outside of his comfort zone. And one of those fifty eighers would have been good from sixty. Well, um, he, it was he 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 because he kicks it hard and high so it's um, going to give them options if they can depend on him but i think the part that robbie was so good at was you know the the 30 to 47 like you know the kicks that are the money kicks those are the ones that you expect to make where you know you get past 55 yards it's kind of like eh if he misses so be it you don't really expect him to make it. And Moody's going to make some of those. I guess uh, Dan Carlson, I think they said last year, made the most or had the best percentage of over 50 kicks. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what they're looking for from Moody is someone to be, you know, he can he can make a, a good percentage of those long ones. But for the 49ers offense, because of how the offense works and their offense is going to move the football, now getting, you know, once you get to the 25-yard line, any you know you play against these really good defenses you may stall out a little bit but those are the kicks that he's gonna have to make when the offense just cannot get in that end zone and you need and you need those points you cannot walk away with zero points right those are those are the things that they're gonna really depend on for moody so that's so the, where that's where he's gonna have to be money so i get it he's cheaper he's going to very definitely improve our kickoff game because he can definitely booted through the end zone. Um, but the thing that I was pushing back on when people were talking about him being better than Robbie is that he's never taken an NFL postseason kick and Robbie's never missed one. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that, you know, so ultimately, like you say, number one, it's going to be making those, making sure we are, have, we're converting those layups at a very high percentage. And then two, what is going to happen in January and February? Um, because there was there was no question, you know, for the past five years, if we were in the playoffs and a clutch kick was there, I had no I I had no doubt that Robbie was gonna come through. Um, so we we don't have him anymore. So yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see if Moody can become our MVP. <laughs> yeah, we'll exactly. See. Uh, all right, let's talk about the quarterback situation. A Trey got to play the entire first half. His numbers do not look bad at all. 15 or 10 of 15. Uh, he, he got really lucky on the touchdown pass. 
that he he was a little late on the throw, and they were also talking about the uh, the 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 receiver, uh, the 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 Ayuk lookalike. Was that Cooley? They say what was his yeah, last Conley. name? Conley. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he th- there was some may- maybe something late on his break as well. So this and that pass was a gets, super tight window. Yeah, this pass gets tipped. And uh, Dwelly just sees it in the air, picks it up, and catches it for the touchdown. So he has a touchdown pass. Uh, he was uh, only had five misfires. But on the flip side, I think I want to say like the first two series may have had like three got sacked three times. Um, and and I don't know the thing that I don't know. And this is again Tim Ryan, sort of the voice of the front office. Uh, he goes, he says something to the effect of. Uh, he's got to get that ball out much sooner rather than the offensive line needs to block a half a second longer. Like, like he really pointed the finger at well, there was there rather was only, than the offensive line. He was right on the, before I turned it off. Cause that was actually where I turned it off. That one to dwelly. He was right. It was the, the, the pass protection was shitty, but Dwelly was open. There were there weren't there was not another incidence of that where he held on to the ball because and there was somebody out there. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave it to us of the all of the pressures. We got three of the looks, and I love it when they do that, Dorb, when they give us the all eleven. So I don't have to right. wait until um Tuesday to see it. But there, uh, on on any of those other ones where he double clutched, it was because he didn't have anything. Now a couple of times he was able to move, and um, Brandon I you Junior, you know, um, <laughs> came open yeah. for him, and he was able to hit him. But it, the two things have to work together. He should not be getting all that quick pressure, and then our receivers have to win. So. It, it takes me back to playmakers um, in the the podcast we were talking about. The podcast that we were talking about, and Mike McDaniel was talking about. He said it in terms of coaches, but it 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 um, applies to quarterbacks too, where people are critical of a play call or a pass when, like you, like he said, there are you know eleven people who are responsible for doing their job. And then there are three or four coaches who are responsible for making sure that they've properly developed those players to, um, to execute the, the play on that, on, you know, execute, execute their assignment on that play. So when a play goes right, there are literally dozens of people who um, deserve credit and it's ridiculous that when it goes wrong, that only one person gets to blame because there's always, it's never just one person's fault. Uh, so again, same thing with the quarterback and the play. We always look, well, the quarterback messed that up where there was clearly times today where the offensive line weren't doing their job. Yeah. And there were times when the receiver either, you know, I'm not saying they didn't do their job because the, you know, the defensive backs get paid too. So if they're covered, you know, if he did a good job, then he just did a good job. He just got beat. That's fine. Um, but the quarterback can only, he is, it's the most dependent position on the field. But we give them an outsized amount of credit when it goes well. 
and probably an outsized amount of blame when it doesn't. So, and, and you know, them's the breaks. I mean, they, they, you know, not on, well, even on our team, Trey is making a lot of money, but you yeah. know, Brock is not. So, I mean, they don't, they don't make a lot of money, but you know, are, you know, most quarterbacks make a lot of money. So nobody's crying a river for them when they get, you know, blamed, you know, excessively. It's just, so, that's just, that's just part of the, part of the gig. So the, the other thing that I wondered was that if there was like a directive for Trey to not run, because on in the first series, I felt like both of the times that he saw that pocket collapse quickly, mm-hmm. if this was a real game, he would have he would have got 10 yard slides and, and first downs on, on both of them. Uh, but he didn't. He kind of hung in the pocket, and then <laughs> there was a moment where he couldn't. He didn't even have a place to fall down. So they just he was just in the grasp, and they mm-hmm. called the, they called the sack. So that was the other thing I wondered is like, hey man, I don't want you running out of the pocket, and and you know w- w- because of the injury, you know we need to we need to see you in that pocket, and if not, then just take the sack, fall down, don't get hit, and 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 we're good with it because I felt like he could have had a couple of big runs if, if they, if he had wanted to, or, you know, that, so to me, number one, if that is the, the edict, because it's the preseason. Okay. That's fine. Um, what I would hate that it is, is they are scared of injury because I mean, then it, it really, then you really should trade him because it becomes redundant. If you've got a, a I believe if you've got a quarterback with that skill set. And you just refuse to run him. It's why why have him? I mean, it's because that is a big part of the package. Yeah. And I also hope that and, it's not. And I didn't hear. Dollar. I didn't hear that. I just wondered right. when, mm-hmm, yeah. I, as I was watching, I, it was in the back of my mind, like he could have ran if he wanted to, and he didn't. So. That's and then it's also thinking. another thing that I hope that it's not is like Donovan McNabb got into this thing with being a black quarterback. He wanted to prove that he could win from the pocket, so he wouldn't run. Yeah. He wanted because he was trying to prove a point, which, again, I thought, especially in that year that they ended up losing the Super Bowl, that that was counterproductive for the team, mm-hmm. that they were better off if they used his entire skill set but you see athletes do that all the time another one that's in a completely different sport that irks me to this day is the fact that marvin Hagler decided he was going to box sugar ray leonard as opposed <laughs> to you know maul him he wanted to show us this was going to be his masterpiece he was going to show us that he was more than the brockton brawler he was going to outbox sugar ray leonard which is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. But Taking it, it back did. to 1987. <laughs> yeah. So let I me mean, do what you do. That's that's what I, I believe. You know, and it, I don't think that um you should allow, you know, like I don't think, you know, if you want to tell me that you're not running Josh Allen in between the 20s, that's fine. But if you tell me that we're on the goal line, you're not going to run that dude, you're nuts. <laughs> because <laughs> defensive coordinators stay up at night yeah. worried about, that guy in their red zone package. So if you're going to tell me that you're going to take that away, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'll take it. And, you know, he got way more comfortable when they were able to establish some of the play action and he was able to create his own time 
you know, and a couple times with his legs and he was getting out and making sure that he had a few extra ticks to, to make a decision. And, you know, so I, it's a mixed bag for the performance. I would have liked to see what the, the first series or the first two series were going to look like if the offensive line had actually been able to block a little bit. But, you know, ultimately what happened is is what happened. And uh, I, Darnold had a little bit more of an opportunity to just kind of sit and shotgun and, and uh, let the ball out a little bit. And the guy's got a great arm. He can also move a little bit. You can tell why teams are uh, very impressed by his ability and, and just hoping that he can put it together because, you know, sky's the limit with some of these guys who, uh, who just for whatever reason, haven't been able to do it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it was a mixed bag for Trey and a average to above average performance for, for Darnold. You know, he didn't do anything that, that knocked my socks off. Like, I mean, if you wanted to compare, like what Aiden O'Connell did is kind of what you wanted to see both of those guys do. Well, again, I you have to take what I say with a grain of salt because I am a Trey apologist and I admit it. You know, I'm rooting for the dude. And not that I'm against and 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 what what people confuse that with is I'm not rooting against Brock and I'm not rooting against Sam Darnold. I, you know, I I like Trey. I mean, and I want those guys, if whoever is the guy, I want that guy to be successful. So I want Brock Purdy, if he he's quarterback one. So I want him to go out there and I want him to ball out. That's great. I want, I just want to see Trey get his opportunity. I saw nothing in camp to, I still say, Trey is the most talented quarterback on the roster, bar none. I, it's interesting to me that Trey performs best when he plays with the ones, I mean, I don't think, I don't guess that, you know, should be a shock. I mean, yeah. the, he, he plays better play when he plays with better best. players. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he doesn't play as, you know, he didn't play as well. He didn't, again, he didn't play bad, but he doesn't play as well with the twos and the threes. Um, I didn't see, but that's the thing. I did not see that. Now I don't think Brandon Allen got any reps with the one, except maybe in red zone a couple of times, because, when they were working red zone, the two times that they were on our side, they were really trying to get the, you know, Ayuk and Debo were really getting reps um, in the red zone. So all the quarterbacks got reps with them. But other than that, I don't think I, I mean, Allen got any, um, any reps with the one Brock was good with the ones Trey was good with the ones. I didn't really see any difference with Darno with any of the groups. He was just kind of the same, regardless of who he was out there with. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Brock, I don't think he got any reps with the threes. Um, So he was always either with the ones or the twos. Um, Trey got reps with everybody. Darnold got reps with everybody. And I don't think that Allen got any reps with the ones, but um, it was noticeable that Trey performed better, much better than he, you know, so I don't know what that, I don't know if that means anything. Maybe it's just, you know, we're talking about small sample size, so it could have just been kind of random, but um, it was noticeable. And the fact that he didn't perform as, as I don't think you would, he, you would say he performed as well as you would have liked to say. I would have liked to see him perform a lot better, but I know those first couple of series, I would not necessarily put on him. 
he was he, under siege. So he he made some intermediate throws that were very impressive. Uh, the one throw that that you know will will stick if you if you are looking to uh, analyze something uh, on the negative end is is the touchdown pass. Like that was right. really that was really the one where you're like, mm, and yeah, then that Kyle, was not but, a great decision. But well, I don't know that because Kyle, I don't know. Again, you got to take what coaches say with the grain of salt. He said in his post press post game press conference that he was impressed that not only Trey saw that window open late, but that he had the courage to try to rip it in there to him because it was there for a second. And then the defense defender just made a really good play to close the window up. So, and then, then we got lucky with the bounce, but, um, you know, I don't know if you, you can call it, maybe it was coach speak or not. I don't know, but you know, he mentioned it, you know, specifically that he was impressed that he um, saw it and went for it. And, you know, it, you know, it kind of worked out, but it could have gone horribly <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah. too. <laughs> I, I mean, I would like to, I would have liked to hear what he would have said if the ball would have actually been intercepted. Right. <laughs> Maybe exactly. a little bit different. We'll, 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 we'll never know. But, um, you know, Trey is smart. But, you know, and, everything and, he says positive about Trey is um, he's it's coach beat. It's not he doesn't really believe it. What about all the positive stuff he says about <laughs> about, uh, about Brock? Is about what Brock. He said he's saying those positive things about Brock on a stack of Bibles. So. <laughs> uh, so so Trey did say, you know, he's like those three three and outs that to start the game or the two three and outs. You know he's taking responsibility for it. He's QB one. He understands okay. the game. It is his. Uh, it is his. You know that's how leaders lead, right. right? And and that's what we've heard in, in this camp is that he has come into the camp. You know more of the leader mentality and you know carrying himself in that way, which would be good because you know the the thing about it is no matter what happens or no matter what we want to happen. Brock is QB one. And if Brock plays solid football, he's going to be QB one. Now there's always the, the the prospect of injury as, as we saw and Trey, if the Niners have him as QB two, he will be the next man up. And, but the thing that we can't do is we can't then go, well, Brock is playing. And if Trey was in Brock's situation, it could go X, Y, and Z. We, we we just don't know. So it's really hard for us as fans to say, you know, this is this is what the situation would be. That's you know, Shanahan's watching these guys every day. And and so it's ultimately his decision. You got to see some of it. Um, and I, you know, I only have gotten to see what we saw today on the field. So I, mm-hmm. I'm I, I want to see more Trey. I, I feel like there's so many things that they can unlock with him that they have not yet unlocked. Uh, and this is why I'm very hopeful that he's on the roster because I think that Kyle is creative enough to utilize him in situations like, you know, um, we always used to joke about fullback Jimmy because mm-hmm. anytime it was fourth and one, Jimmy's got it. You know, Jimmy, I, I can't even remember how many times he's gotten stopped. I could probably count mm-hmm. him on one hand from times that he's not made that play. And Brock Purdy can make that play if the offensive linemen create that opportunity right. for him. 
But if they don't, he's not because he's just mm-hmm. the smaller. He's not player. big enough to. He's not big enough to move the crowd. And Trey, you would look at Trey in that situation on fourth and one, and you would go, "Okay, we could either quarterback sneak him, or we could do something else." With like there, there are just opportunities I think where you can utilize him in ways that uh, could unlock him that defenses won't be expecting, or that they will be on their heels about, or that they will just be like, "Oh my gosh, we did not." We're not ready for something like this. And here's the thing with somebody like Trey, just in that example you just used, is the teams can't, you can't sell out on like a goal line play because if he bounces it outside, he can go. He can take it to the house. So you have cap. We saw that. It has to be in the back of your mind that he might take one step into the line and then try to race us to the corner. And if we don't, if there's not somebody there, it's going to be a house call and we're going to all look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, like you say, it's just those type of things. And look, if you are just out on Trey, what you need to have happen is for him to get an opportunity yeah. and ball out so they can have an, an op, a, a trade market for him. Cause think yeah. about it. If you think he's trash and he's a bust, why is anybody going to trade anything for him? You're going to look at, look, I've, I've been saying it for the past month. Look at the trades that have happened for former top three picks. You look at the Wentz trade. You look at the Darnold trade. You look at the Baker trade. All of those teams had to give up money or give up a bunch of picks like they did for Wentz. The, the Colts did the first time. Hell, even the the um Red, the the Commandos gave up a bunch of picks to get Carson Wentz. And um, both Darnold and, and Baker – the Jets and the Panthers had to, you know, send picks and money um, to those teams. So you're you to think that as is, you're going to get some kind of haul or even some kind of. I saw the trades that they were proposing this week with the with the um, Bucks that there would be some kind of pick swap and then trade. That's that's wishful thinking. Why, if you're the think about it, I know from from a fan standpoint, that's what you want. But if you think about it from the other team standpoint, what has he shown that would lead me to give you much of anything for him? I can help you out. If you want to get out of trade business, you know, you can give me a conditional pick and pay some of his salary for me to take him. I'll do that. You probably can find that trade. But um, in terms of somebody like giving you a couple threes or a couple fours to get him, I don't see it. So if that's what you want, you want him to get an opportunity yeah. and to, to either ball out in this preseason or, you know, ball out in, you know, spot duty. Cause I'm not going to be the one to to um, wish an injury on Brock. But um, you want him to play well in his opportunities so that some G- GM gets some ideas. Yeah. That maybe they're just not using him right, and I can do, you know, something like that. Because right now, it's going to be, to trade Trey, it's going to be a dump. And that's just what it is right now. So, you know, I don't want him to go anywhere, but um, I would like to see him get an opportunity to play and play well. But then the question becomes, if he does that, then why would you trade him? If you, <laughs> if you, if you play him and he plays well, then you want him to play well so you can trade him? Having that doesn't a, really having make a, sense a purdy Trey Lance 1-2 sounds like the smartest thing to me. 
The only thing that I worry about is because of how much money he makes and because they're going to have to re-sign Bosa here soon, they're going to have to re-up Ayuk. I don't know how much of his salary really makes that big of a difference in those signings, but that's the one thing that is dangling over his head that is not dangling over Darnold's head, which is a little bit more cap flexibility or... or the only thing is not really because his money is guaranteed that the 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 whole rest of his money it's a sunk cost so um either you trade him and can get you can get it off the books that way but other than that if you cut him it's going to no, be that, yeah that's that what money. i mean i mean that's what i mean so, it, you you know the the suggestion that you made of like hey we may not even need to take anything back as long as the other team takes the money on fully, that's the kind of thing that you may be looking at. Right. I mean, and then I, to me, I've been saying in the, 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 the ideal situation for both teams is Minnesota. But again, I go back to that playmakers podcast. I can't imagine Kyle wanting to give Kevin O'Connell a quarterback that could, you know, come back to haunt him for the next 10 to 12 years. Um, because in that, that, that tree, that, that McVay, um, Shanahan tree, they are really competitive like that. And, uh, I, I just think, you know, he'd probably, he'd rather send him anywhere than to one of, you know, McVay's guys. <laughs> the, the only thing interesting about his contract is that, you know, the, the signing bonus is over the four years. That's five and a half million per year. Uh, his actual base salary, his highest base salary would have been last year at two million. This year, his base salary is only nine hundred forty thousand, but he's got the roster bonus that is like three million, and the next year, his roster bonus is uh, is four point two million. So that's where uh, the majority of the the next two years of his contract is is going to going to come but uh, yeah the nfl nfl contracts are so confusing to me compared I, I i understand the basketball and the baseball ones very simply but all these crazy bonuses and the dead money and all that it, that it's a little bit harder for me to understand uh, all right the niners play again on saturday night 5 30 uh I would love to go post game again if if you are available i may not be able to go right after the game but you know Sometime uh, Saturday night, uh, I could probably do it. So we'll have to figure it out. But uh, it, it'd be nice to to kind of keep the the post game going because then it'll it'll keep us in rhythm when the when the season starts because we're gonna have like seventeen of these things once the season starts. Yep, we'll talk. All right, we'll we'll, Niners, we'll, we'll come up with something. Niners play. Is it Denver next? I'm not sure. I think Denver's the next game. Uh, I, I know it's Saturday, um, and I think it's Denver. Yeah, Saturday, 5.30 against the Broncos. Maybe Russ Wilson plays the whole game this time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a very interesting situation they got going on. All right, Rod, uh, thanks for doing this. You and I will be back next week with preseason game number two. Then there's preseason game number three, like six days later. And then there's like this giant break. So we'll have to figure out what we do in that giant break between the end of the preseason and the beginning of the regular season. But uh, for Rod, I'm Double G. We will see you next week. Peace out.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.